0: When keeping in mind the Dolphins will be operating on a budget when free agency opens in March, what positions may ultimately end up helping the Dolphins to find good fits and good talent for good price? You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of Locked on NFL Scouting. You find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tip of the cap to our everyday's because it is your team every day here on the Locked on Network. We don't just say it, we live it. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Game Time. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase on last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Today on the show is an exploration into uh, value on the free agency market, especially pertaining to some areas of need for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we've gone over and glossed over and started to discuss uh, the free agency strategy that Miami is going to need to implement in the first wave of free agency through March through uh, June 1st. Where Miami will have an operating budget, they'll have the opportunity to retain the the priority players within their ranks, and then they're going to have to fill in the rest and be strategic about where they're spending and what they're spending. Well, the conversation about how you maximize that opportunity, understanding you're in a budget, comes down to understanding the markets that are waiting for you on the other side of the start of the league calendar year. NFL Combine's in a couple of weeks. I guarantee you there will be a lot of preliminary conversations amongst representation that takes place um, in that setting. And then a few weeks, a week and a half after that, the legal tampering window will open and teams will come to agreements with players. And Miami probably will not be coming to any top-of-market contracts with players coming from other teams to play for their ranks. That said, Miami has found some good values uh, in free agency the last few years. You think about uh, bringing in Raheem Mostert. You think about David Long. You think about Deshaun Elliott. These were meaningful additions to your teams, assets to your team, who were brought in on economically friendly contracts. Dolphins have a slew of needs, right? They need to address the interior offensive line. They need to address safety. They need to address their edge group. They need to address the depth in their wide receiver room, probably remake the entirety of that room. Uh, They need to make sure they have a swing tackle they feel comfortable with with the um, injury durabilities of of Teron Armstead. Assuming Teron Armstead does not ultimately end up deciding to retire, you would benefit from another body in the tight end room. We've spoken before on this show, and if you're new to the program, we'll touch on it right now. The nice thing about Miami's list of needs is it does intersect with positions that the league historically has not spent as much per player for to set the top of the market. We'll talk about that a little bit later on the show as far as where the talent distributions lie, but I just want to talk about what position groups right now, knowing that some players are going to get extended to go back to their original teams, probably names at the top of the lists, what positions have depth? What positions... Have players, a surplus of players that you could walk out of if you're the Dolphins feeling, hey, the surplus, the number of players that are kind of in the same stratosphere of talent could help us here. Because if there's a surplus, teams are probably going to be less inclined to really throw a lot of dollars at, at, at players because you have options, right? Supply versus demand. So that's kind of the core of the first block here. I think the safety group this year is really deep. I have, and we will explore the sheet in its entirety when the sheet is done. It's not done yet. I've watched about 105 free agents to be in the NFL uh, next month, and I've graded them versus the traits that we understand the Dolphins uh, have needed to execute on both the offensive and defensive side of the football. Defense is a little weird because we don't really know the scheme thanks to the defensive coordinator change. But nevertheless, based off of uh, kind of the the this past season, what we've heard the coaching staff talk about are the things that are important. Players continue to get graded on those as well. And they're ranked. They're ranked vertically, but then also each position group kind of has a breakdown of, by tier, what talent is available. Deshaun Elliott is the Dolphins' expiring contract at safety. And he's your starter. You played more snaps than either Brandon Jones or Javon Holliday. your top snap taker at safety. But if you look across the league at players like Jordan Whitehead with the Jets, who's an expiring contract, Julian Blackman with the Colts, who's an expiring contract, John Johnson and Jordan Fuller, two players with the Rams, who are expiring contracts, Deshaun Gibson with the 49ers, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a little bit more of a slot hybrid type, but still nevertheless a safety, played deep safety with Philadelphia the year prior. Aloy Gilman with the Chargers. I didn't even get into the top-of-market players like Winfield Jr., McKinney, Kyle Duggar. Those are players that I'm not even going to count in this conversation because I would expect all of those players to be back with their respective teams for probably somewhere around $15 million or more per season for each player. But if you're looking at the stratosphere of where you would grade Deshaun Elliott as an NFL safety, I am as an adequate starter. And I think you have adequate starters in Jordan Fuller and Julian Blackman and Jordan Whitehead and Deshaun Deshaun Gibson and Chauncey Garner-Johnson and Aloe Gilman. I think Jeremy Chin is an intriguing player as an expiring contract who seems like he's worn his welcome out in Carolina. Um, Maybe not the best stylistic fit. I don't think he grades particularly well into what we think the Dolphins defense is going to look like, at least relative to some of these other names. But safety is a spot they're like seven guys, eight guys that you feel like are all very comparable for what their return is going to be. And that that doesn't, that gives you flexibility. Because if you enter into your conversations with Deshaun Elliott, you want to bring Deshaun Elliott back. And Deshaun Elliott says, well, I want X dollars because I was arguably your best and most consistent safety this past year. Because Javon Holland missed two months, a month and a half at the end of the season. You can negotiate, but if you can't find the middle ground because Deshaun Elliott wants to maximize his individual value, which he has every right to do as a player who signed on a one-year deal, and these shelf lives are, are short for NFL players. But if he wants to maximize his value while his value is at high point, high inflection, sign Deshaun Gibson, sign Julian Blackman, sign Jordan Whitehead, sign Jordan Fuller, Aloy Gilman, like... And we'll see which of these guys end up ultimately hitting the market. But the fact that they're surplus there makes me feel a lot better about having a vacancy there. I think the Andrew Van Ginkle slot in the edge group is another good one because Andrew Van Ginkle, we're all expecting because of, of how good he was in a limited role for the Dolphins this year, that he's going to get a massive. Payday, and I think he's certainly going to get more than the $2.65 million he signed for in a one-year deal with Miami this past year. But if you're just looking at pass rush, I don't say pass rush specialists, but guys who are better pass rushers than they all-around edge defenders. And I think some of that for Andrew is is just from a frame perspective. He's not the biggest or the longest guy versus Bradley Chubbs, 265, 270 and has this massive wingspan. Andrew Van Giggles built differently. He's closer to 250, right? Like, And, and that kind of mass on the edge, it, it does make a difference. But you got guys like Bryce Huff, Brian Burns, Josh Uche, who I think all profile as better pass rushers than all-around run defenders. I think Burns is obviously is a top 20 pick, probably going to get $20-plus plus million dollars per season. But like Bryce Huff was a a big-time hit for the Jets as a a late draft pick. Josh Uche was a a day-two draft pick who developed into a very good pass rusher but couldn't stay on the field as, as a rundown defender. I think Andrew's probably got a little bit more versatility because he showcased the ability to get off the ball, but I think both Huff and Josh Uche are better pure pass rushers on the edge than what Andrew Van Giggle is. So I think that's another position where maybe you get aided and it doesn't sound like Bryce Huff and the Jets that you're on a promising path to re-signing there. And while the Patriots retained a bunch of their coaching staff under Bill Belichick and elevated their roles, you know, that that coaching staff didn't play Josh Uche a ton of volume. But I think from a pure pass rush skill set, there's guys in that stratosphere. And it, we, we didn't even touch on Jadeveon Clowney as a versatile slightly undersized versus if your expectation is like a 265, 270 pound player, Clowney's leaner than that. And then you got like Marquise Haynes, uh senior who's a, a very economic option uh out of Carolina who dealt with some injuries this year, but the year prior had five sacks. I think the edge group has some depth for your third pass rush type player. Maybe that helps you with your negotiations with Andrew Van Ginkle, or if it doesn't, Maybe that helps you find somebody else who can bring value to the team for you as well. I have a few more spots that we want to highlight here on this episode of On Dolphins before we get into just the positional value conversation. Uh, as far as where teams spend, that doesn't mean they're not valuable to a roster, but it does mean teams will tell you and have told you where they like to spend and where they don't. That's coming up next year on this episode of On Dolphins, so stick with us. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to weigh on you, and it's important to let that out, especially to someone who is unbiased in your life. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our own favorite sports team, breaking our heart at the end of every season. It's important to get those things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P, dot slash locked on. I think the interior offensive line crop that is scheduled for free agency is a really good group and low key. I think there's a lot of quality, depth, caliber, offensive tackles that are scheduled to be available in free agency as well. Looking at tackle, you have a couple vet guys like Makai Beckton and Trent Brown. Who oh, Trent Brown, long-time starter. Mekhi Beckton, former first-round pick. But you got guys like George Fant. And Donovan Smith and those guys are about like three year, three million dollars per year contracts. Kendall Lambs in this conversation, he played for less than one point five million dollars this season. Uh, Cameron Fleming with the Broncos, he went back. I think he was two and a half million dollars uh, was his one year deal that he resigned. Uh, like I, I think there's enough comparability. The challenge is there's such a dearth of starting quality offensive tackles that some of these guys do ultimately get ended up elevated into starting roles, like Donovan Smith, like. George Fant. I think Jonah Williams could potentially come down into this conversation. He was a starter at right tackle. Uh, the Bengals kind of yanked him around a little bit as far as their plans at offensive tackle. They moved him to right tackle. It wasn't a great season. The offensive line struggled in its entirety this year for Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think he I, – I could see him getting a George Fant or uh, specifically a Donovan Smith type of contract, which was a one-year, $3 million deal. So if you're leveraging Kendall Lamb against those kinds of of contracts, I I think you have enough names and the NFL showed enough discipline. So especially be mindful, like Andrew Van Ginkle, you're paying for a third player, right? And and that that third tackle might get some decent burn with Daron Armstead if he's on the, the roster this season. But the interior offensive line, pretty impressive center crop when you consider Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, Graham Glasgow can play center, Tyler Beatus from Dallas, Coleman Shelton from the Rams. Uh, there's starting caliber centers that are going to be out there in addition to Connor Williams. So that's the conversation Miami has to, to be able to have is, well, we know what Connor would like to get paid. He wants to be one of the top paid centers in the league. What is the stylistic fit of some of these other players And what is the feasibility of them stepping in and giving you uh, a prorated portion of what Connor Williams can give you for a much less steep price. Then you go to guard. You got on Wayne, you could play tackle too. Would be surprised if he leaves New England, but you never know. The kind of uh, transitional year for them. They're rebuilding Kevin Zeitler at guard as a vet. John Simpson, the other starting guard. Uh, with the, the Baltimore Ravens, both guards for, for Detroit, Jonah Jackson and Graham Glasgow, uh, Kevin Dotson with the Rams, John Runyon Jr. with the Packers, uh, Damian Lewis, who's a big-time man crush of mine that, that I would absolutely love to see the Dolphins go out and get to play right left guard for you. You got starting options here, and that feels like the appropriate time because I I, I don't see a lot of, of great Surplus of talent at tight end. I don't see a ton of surplus talent uh, at running back relative to where the Dolphins got production. There, there's a lot of big name franchise tag players, but like that's not really the market I, I see them being in. Unless it's Derrick Henry, where you you split that out, you know, multi year big time contracts for running back. I just have a hard time seeing for mine. So the positional value element of this is. Guards get paid less than tackles, right? That's that's the way that the world works. And your top guard just cracked $20 million. You get tackles that are are cracking $20 million uh, pretty consistently. Jawan Taylor signed a free agent contract in Kansas City to be the right tackle for the Chiefs. And he signed a deal, Jawan Taylor, that's equal to the top contract at the guard position. So the question is, does... Michael you and Kevin Zeitler and Damian Lewis and John Simpson and Jonah Jackson and Graham Glasgow and John Runyon and Kevin Dotson. Does the presence of those players potentially on the market help you with the cost of negotiating with Robert Hunt? You probably won't know until you get to the market, until you get to March. I think that's the challenge with the negotiation. And that may be why Robert Hunt um, is still not on an extension if it behooves him to figure out where the market falls as well. But that is a spot specifically into your offensive line that guards in particular, and the Dolphins arguably have two needs at at guard. When you consider Isaiah Wynn was a projected starter, and he's an expiring contract, and Robert Hunt was a starter and is an expiring contract currently. Uh, You could fill one of them with Robert Hunt, but we did a whole show last week on Robert Hunt and what that contract offer should look like. How does that compare with what the markets are going to be for all of these players who might be a tier or two lower are still starting quality players? But if they're getting half the price, does that help or hurt Robert Hunt's bid to maximize his second contract? Does that help or hurt the Dolphins' appetite to give that contract? Right? Like I think there's there's an intersection here with both guard or at guard in particular with how teams spend at the position and how many players are currently scheduled to be available that I think helps the Dolphins. I think the same can be said at safety. Uh, We'll we'll touch on interior defensive line here in just a second. But again, Deshaun Elliott signed a one-year, $1.7 million contract with the Dolphins last year. Safeties in general, uh, I expect that the top of the safety class will get, or top of the safety market from a contract perspective, will get helped. By Winfield, and we'll get help by Xavier McKinney, and we'll get help by Kyle Duggar. But those teams have cap space and they're probably going to retain their own because they know there, there's no projection involved. We've seen you in our environment. We've seen you in our system. We know that you fit. You're going to get paid a lot of money to continue to be here. But you you think about Geno Stone signed a one-year deal in Baltimore, had six picks this year. His top five million picks. $1.7 million contract. Well, Even Chauncey Garner-Johnson at his peak, I think he signed this year for $6 million for Detroit for the 2023 season. There's options plus low spend at the position. There's also low spend at linebacker. I think there's some intriguing options if the Dolphins were to transition away from Jerome Baker. Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay, Frankie Louvu, Bobby Wagner is a vet who can still absolutely go even if he slowed down a little bit. Um, there's some names there. I mean, Tranquil signed a one-year deal that was very cheap that I was surprised the Dolphins weren't, weren't in on. They ultimately ended up going with David Long, and it was a hit for them. But that's another example of a team-friendly deal that Tranquil signed with the, the Chiefs to be their fourth linebacker ends up being a really valuable piece down the stretch. So we'll kind of uncover some final spots here next on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So make sure that you stick with us. You should not have to stress about finding last minute tickets for wherever you are hoping to get to, to make the most of your evening, whether that's a basketball game, a hockey game, a concert, you name it, game time. Is the one stop shop for all of your last minute tickets. And they're the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, and all in prices show you your total upfront. So you know you're getting a deal before you even check out. You can buy tickets in seconds with just a few taps on your phone. They're obsessed with finding new ways to save money on your tickets. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKED ON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms to apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on, L O C K E D O N, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I think you do have some intriguing options uh, at interior defensive line. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be in on. Chris Jones. I'd be surprised if the Dolphins end up figuring something out with Christian Wilkins. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be in on Justin Matab-week. Um, but those contracts, those are all probably twenty-plus million dollar per year contracts. First of all, I think that helps the Zach Sealer contract age like gold. But I think the the value that exists is probably in your Raquan Davis. Replacement because there's some older players that are probably going to sign short-term deals that don't play more than 50-55% of the snaps, but have more pass rush upside than Raquan Davis does, and they're better at anchoring at the line of scrimmage than Raquan Davis has showcased himself to be. So I think about three names in particular John Hankins with the Cowboys. They drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round last year. They made him drop a bunch of weight, So they made him they made him lose like 30 pounds. So I don't know if that means we're going to go get somebody else to play nose tackle. If we're going to bring back Hankins, if we're going to allow Mozzie Smith to put the weight back on, I don't know. All I know is there's a pretty good chance as a vet, John Hankins is going to hit the market. Think about what John Jenkins was for the dolphins as the vet nose tackle and ramp that up to a 12. And that's what Hankins is. Even at this stage in his career, DJ reader who's coming off of a season ending injury, uh, but was an absolute monster. He, he played uh, in Houston uh, prior to signing with the Bengals in free agency, which is relevant because he played with Anthony Weaver. Uh, Anthony Weaver was his defensive line coach uh, before Reeder left for, for Cincinnati. And then Grover Stewart's the other one uh, from Indianapolis. That like I think these are all starting caliber nose tackles. And nose tackle is a position because just the nature of the position is the best ones play 50% of your snaps. I guess that's a lie. Dexter Lawrence is, is a little bit of a different animal, but... Just Dexter Lawrence isn't on the market. Um, so, because they're not pass, passing down players at a high volume and because they play low snap percentages, they traditionally do not run the same price as your versatile defense, interior defensive linemen that move up and down the board like a Matt Obweek or like a Chris Jones or like a Christian Wilkins. So, if you're looking to replace Raquan Davis, I think a short-term commitment to a veteran player there. And look, there, there were interior defensive linemen that were on the market in season last year that Miami could have kicked the tires on. I know they had Sue in for a workout. I know the year prior, the, the Eagles signed Linval Joseph and, da, and, and Damakon Sue in season. And they were like the, be- the best options the Eagles had in their Super Bowl run. As interior defensive lineman, so that is a spot where you see vets that exist into the market. So if you went with an older player and there was a risk that hey, we might get burned here for a guy that is older, so maybe he's a little bit more higher injury risk. You feel like you could cover your tail in that regard as well. I think those are the best spots for surplus and value. Now, I do think running back is worth acknowledging. For the body type that Miami's going to be looking for, I think there are a lot of like physical runners, be it AJ Dillon or Dante Foreman or Gus Edwards. If you're going to replace Jeff Wilson, I think you could probably get a player for at the same cost or less. There's a whole big conversation about Derrick Henry and his value as, as far as if it makes sense for the Dolphins to go that route and how they financially could make that work. All that stuff, I get that. It's a conversation for another day. If you want to go economically. I think there's a lot of physical runners and this doesn't even include the the top of market guys like Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry. You get past that group. I still think there are productive backs that exist that are going to put you in the same spending window as Jeff Wilson. If you wanted to upgrade that spot as well. So some of that is just replacement opportunity. Some of that is, the Dolphins leveraging the depth that is currently scheduled to be available on the market to help their own negotiation cause with players that are expiring contracts, or maybe it helps make them have them make the decision to let a player go knowing we're going to have enough options that there's a surplus. So cost supply and demand is going to allow us to find somebody that is a starting caliber player that we don't have to give the money that player X could be bargaining for with their negotiations. It's all really fascinating stuff as you stack the layers on top of each other. And this is a great introductory uh, conversation to the players that are existing on the market, because as this process unfolds this off season, we're going to stack together an entire simulated off season before the start of the league calendar year. That's probably going to be coming up during the week of the NFL combine. So there's a lot of content coming your way. And these are all foundational conversations that, that help paint the picture that we need to see. Hope you guys enjoyed this talk here on Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make it a great rest of your Thursday. I will be back again tomorrow to finish out this week strong here on Locked On Dolphins. Fins up.